It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Colin. And I'm Ashwin. We've got three again for this pod, and uh, I've got two different characters joining me today, obviously. Colm and Ashwin, we had uh, Imran and Ed on the last one. Uh, I think if you'd all listened to the last podcast, Ashwin had given his prediction. I was not particularly positive, and... Uh, Colm, you went on the last one, but I think a couple of weeks ago as well, you were talking about fourth, kind of fifth, being around where you were expecting, right? Yeah. So look, we're recording 24 hours after our first match, which has obviously not gone to plan. And yeah, look, all those predictions go out the window. But I, look, I was at the match. I can't say I was super shocked. We did play worse, though, than I expected. And I thought that we could still get some kind of result against Brighton, even though we're nowhere near kind of ready for the whole season. But uh, I don't know. That first half was way, way worse than I could possibly expect. Even like I said, even though I was uncharacteristically pessimistic on the last pod. Yeah, I think I thought we were okay for about 10 minutes. Woohoo. Um, pretty good. I thought we looked pretty confident. We were zipping the ball about okay at the start and we dominated possession, created I think an early chance with Bruno Um, but, you know, it's just so typical of this team. They don't maintain anything, you know, as soon as there's adversity, as soon as there's a drop in confidence, as soon as the other team starts getting in about them or creating a few chances and getting a bit of belief, we shrink and they grow and that's just always the case. And I think we're probably generally going to have to accept now that Brighton are just a better team than us. I think it's pretty it's been demonstrably proved in recent years that Brighton are just better at football than Manchester United. Yeah, I think we're hoping that Brighton, having lost Basuma, Cucurella, would be weaker, but they didn't seem to bother them at all. They just rolled on playing well. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, that's the difference on a manager who's got a set system and the players know what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, Oshwin, like I said, on the last pod, you were saying, look, we're around fifth or something like that. Uh, so you weren't super confident. But yeah, was this still a surprise at how bad we were, especially in that first half? Um, was it surprising? I I would say I was surprised at how poor we were for the last 30 minutes of the half. Um, it just felt like, especially the way they started, they started off pretty well. I'm not, not, not like a dominant team or anything, but they looked pretty good. Um, we were, you know, Maybe Bruno buries that chance. Maybe it's a different match entirely, but he skies it. And it's like, that that's the type of thing with this team where it's like, you always feel when there's a chance like that, 
and it doesn't go for you, you're not confident you're going to create another two or three or four chances. Um, so it feels like there's so much pressure on all of these in every single key moment. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think we can, there's no escaping the fact that you cannot win in this league with that midfield. It is not possible. Um, I, I think I saw after the match, McTominay had 18 successful passes completed for a central midfielder playing 78 minutes. Uh, that's unacceptable. Um, you know, you can play poorly, but you can't be invisible. And he's too often invisible. I don't think Fred had a good game. I don't think it was possible for... I, I just... There was nobody put in a position to succeed. I didn't like starting Erickson as a false nine. I know that, you know, Martial got hurt and he didn't want to start Ronaldo because there's a lot of reasons for that. But then just play Rashford through the middle and put... You have like 15 wide players. Yeah, maybe they're not all good. Alanga, Ahmad, Pellistri, Garnacho, But you can play them. Like, at least play them in a natural position. I just think that was way too much to, to expect in the first game. That was not a system we have even... I don't think we spent any time playing a false nine in preseason. So I, it was just a setup that was not going to work from the beginning. Uh, and then I, I got to say that, like, I don't know... Like, I don't know if I could have been more disappointed in a player's performance yesterday than I was watching Luke Shaw. I thought he was atrocious, just absolutely atrocious. Uh, he he shouldn't play next week. He should not start. I have no idea what that was. That was, you know, he, he how many, like, for all of his flaws, right, whatever issues you've had or we've all had with Shaw— him in possession, he's usually good in possession. He was so sloppy yesterday. So many cheap giveaways, and then defensively, he was atrocious. Uh, I thought he did no favors to Martinez making his Premier League debut. So just all around, I, it's hard to be optimistic about anything we saw in that match yesterday. So yeah, pretty pretty disappointing all around. Yeah, look, it's difficult to disagree with much of that. I mean, look, let's all right. Let's take a step back. Look at that starting lineup. Uh, <laughs> Do you want I mean, to? Are you sure? When I first saw it, well, <laughs> well I, I think it, I think what you actually pointed out of Ericsson starting up front was a pretty surprise to everybody. I mean, we all knew Martial was going to be out, and we all knew we had very few options. But I could still, pot, I thought about three or four other options that I expected before seeing Christian Eriksen playing in a false nine, to be honest. And when I saw the lineup, I thought Eriksen is going to play around number 10 and Bruno is going to play false nine. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until the match started, although actually I did actually get a text message. I was at, I was at the ground, so I'm not hearing any of the commentary, but I did get a text of a friend saying, oh, it looks like Eriksen is playing false nine. And I still thought, oh no, that must be nonsense and surely it's going to be Bruno. But, you know, as soon as the match started, you could see Ericsson going up there. And I, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty bizarre decision, to be honest. Uh, he didn't seem comfortable there at all, which is not unsurprising, seeing as he's not played there any time recently, if ever, in his whole career. Apparently, Ten Hag said, oh, he played striker at Ajax, like maybe one match or something like that. But even if he did, we were talking about 10, 11, 12 years I mean, that's ago a red or something flag. like that. That's a red flag that is rearing his head more and more because it was at Ajax or because that player once played a preseason friendly for Ajax, we should buy him 20 years later. Or, you know, I, I managed that guy at FC 20. He's a real good dude. Or, you know, <laughs> we did this against the worst Dutch team in the league 
that you know employs farmers like these are these are and i really i mean we i mean we should we shouldn't really be even discussing ten hag at this point i don't think other than to give our commiserations to the absolutely horrific turn his managerial career has just taken um but it's it, those are little red flags to me now Nick. It's so like, i just don't want to hear i don't want to hear those things i don't want to hear anything about ajax i don't want us to buy anthony for 80 million play 80 million so, pounds you know i don't want any of this i think i think what that is though and this just speaks to how bad the recruitment setup is because if you look at like coaches in any sport right coaches care about the next game right they're not worried about two years three years four year plans and what do coaches like they like to work with players they're familiar with right this is why a coach should not be in charge of recruitment because those jobs are not the same thing, especially not in the game now the way it is. And so what we're like, I don't have a problem if, if Ten Hag went to them and he's like, look, uh, I think Erickson could help us out. That one, I had no problem with that. He's a free transfer. He's a good player. Um, we know he can, he's performed in the league. He was really good for Brentford last year. So that, that I'm fine with. I agree with you though, that like when it, now you're talking about, you know, Really, Arnautovic, because we coached him at Twente, yeah. and it's like, well, like I mean, I'm sure we'll get on that, but even just to the point, you know, like, like it's 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 as much about you know, you know, he played well for Brentford last year as a DM, basically. Do you know what I mean? So why are we playing him as a number nine right, or a false right. nine or whatever? And I get the situation was difficult. I personally, you know, if he was fit, truly fit or fitish, I would have just started Ronaldo. And I get that he's in a real rock and a hard place with that, and that he clearly wants to send a message to Ronaldo. He clearly probably wants him gone if he was able to get a suitable replacement and we could find anyone to buy him. He obviously wants to set a tone in the dressing room as to what's acceptable and unacceptable and all these kind of things. But at the same point, when you have no other number nines, no other strikers, then, you know, you got to do something different. I mean, when we when we actually look at the lineup, I think most people would have been quite pleased because there was real doubt as to whether we would see any new signings prior to the game. You know, there was real doubt as to whether Martinez would start and there was real doubt as to whether Ericsson would start and then we could have feasibly had you know a front three of Sancho, Alanga, Rashford, Bruno behind them, McFred and the same back four that it was atrocious all year albeit with more <laughs> Delo than we saw probably of Wampasaka at the start of last year but you know so that could have been that would have been even worse now whether they would have done any better or any worse than the 11 that did get fielded I was at least pleased that we were seeing some new players even though they're players that we didn't really need and not the players that we desperately need that we haven't been able to sign so you know to go back to the lineup I would have probably, and this is hindsight, I probably would have preferred Rashford through the middle and maybe Garnacho on the left with Ericsson and one of McFred with Bruno in the 10, to be honest. But that is, I'm, I'm sure, jaded by obviously having watched it. But, I mean, you know, I mean, we should just speak about it and get out of the way because I don't want to keep coming back to it because I'm sure nearly everyone holds the same opinion now that McTominay and Fred are just never, ever, ever, ever going to cut it for us. Yeah, look, that is part of it. We don't have a lot of other options, uh, especially if he's trying to put Ericsson up front now. But no, I, look, there is one thing where the manager, and you know, I said it on the last podcast, I said it on the podcast before, the manager has been failed by the board. Three players in, and even like, you know, one of them is not even a first team or anywhere near Malassia. Um, it will be next week, I think. Well, yeah, Oshwin's saying he will be. I'm still not so sure that he will be, like I said. I put out what I thought my lineup should be, and I had Rash, um, Rashford on the wide, but I had Ronaldo starting. I would have yeah. started him. I do understand totally that Ten Hag wanted to send a message, make a point, 
that listen, you can't just show up for 45 minutes in preseason and expect to start the first game of the season. So I, I do get that. At the same point, I think even a half fit Ronaldo would have been a better option than playing Ericsson in false nine. But you know, as you start said, up, you would have said Rash- him as soon as Martial comes back. Do you know what I mean? Like there's ways to send a message while still being a realist at the end of the day. And being a realist is, do I have Cristiano Ronaldo available to me or Christian Eriksen as a number nine? I'm probably going to pick half fit Cristiano Ronaldo. Because, and even if know, it's even if it's not that, you just said, all right, play Rashford up front, bring in Alanga, bring in Garnacho. For me, there was at least three or four better options yeah. than play Christian Eriksen at false nine. The proof is so the that is on the, the manager. In the in the second half, I mean, Christian Eriksen, our best player of the whole day, playing yeah. in the holding role. Now, yes, he did still get run past quite a lot, which is obviously an issue. But, you know, maybe if you bought a DM and played them alongside him, you might find that issue was kind of solved. Funny idea. So, But... He was by far and away our best player as a DM, and he looked awful in the first half. So you know, and and so like, I think there's there's separate issues. Like, so he he picked the wrong. Ericsson starting at nine was obviously it was a bad choice, but I don't mind him if he thinks that he needs to send a message to Ronaldo, and not just to Ronaldo. It's to kind of set the tone, like, hey, this is the standard for me. These are the standards we will have when I'm here. I don't mind him taking a longer view on that uh, if that was his thinking, you know? Um, so maybe it costs us a point, two points. It cost us all three yesterday. Um, but if if that decision is being made more in the view of your long-term plan, I'm okay with that. It was just, like both of you have said, there were still better options. Even if you didn't want to start Ronaldo, there were just better options to, to start at striker. And look, to be fair, some of it is also just if it worked, we would all be saying, oh my God, what a genius. Uh, but it didn't. And I just, it, it it felt like something that also could have been changed faster. Um, so I, I don't even know, when, I don't even remember when Ronaldo came on. I want to say around like 53 or 55 minutes, something like that. So yeah, yeah 52, 53. It just, it just felt like there was no, there was no reason not to just do it at the start of the second half. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, We'll see. We'll see what it is, but it was a very disheartening performance overall. Um, but yeah, technically, technically now with five subs, I would have made three. If with five subs as well, I would have made three at halftime. Yeah, no problem. Yep, yep. You know, and I get. You know, we're very early in Ten Hag's career, and this is almost more about Ten Hag than I would even want it to be. But it's just an easy thing to comment on. Obviously, it's his first, you know, professional or uh, you know, meaningful game as our manager. I don't want to go in too deep on it, if you know what I mean. But there, it just wasn't great. But you know, I get him not wanting to just completely annihilate players and, and, and you know, bring them off at halftime, damage confidence, whatever. But to me, it really it really deserved that, that game. It really deserved that. But that's also us knowing the full context of, like, the last eight years slash, you know, even the last year. You know, it's it's not just that one game. No one, you know, as much as I think, you know, we were all looking like, oh, this is a new leaf. We had a few, you know, positive performances in preseason. Ericsson had going to lead a revolution, going to finally make us a coach team and all this kind of stuff. Maybe a bit unfair for us to expect that to have happened immediately when he's had no useful signings and half his squad is also, well, not half his squad, but key players are injured. I mean, it's bad enough that we're referring to Anthony Martial as a key player because no one at the end of last year would have even dared say that. It just shows you how we will, you know, amend our perspectives to try and desperately eke out some hope and some positivity from Manchester United that we're now all in this place where we're like I think Anthony Marshall could have a real good season it's not going to be the case 
he won't like he just won't he's gonna let us down again but that's what we do we give all of our like hope and all of our positivity to this team even in the most bleak of circumstances like anyone objectively looking at our transfer window and objectively looking at that team would be like oh i think this is gonna be pretty bad but we're there sitting going this is the year we're back and then you just come crashing down to reality again with an absolutely desperate performance and as i said start you know that team is good enough it is good enough. It's it's a huge mentality issue. And even Ten Hag said that after, you know, you can't just play well for 10 minutes in the Premier League. The way the Premier League is now, teams like Brighton, well, you play them every week. There's no there's no squad. You know, Fulham looked pretty decent against Liverpool. Nottingham Forest, possibly. There's such a small handful of games now where I would say, I think we'll comfortably win that. Like, it was only probably Norwich last year, and even that was a struggle, I think. You have teams like Watford pumping us 4-0 last year, this kind of stuff. So there's just no gimmies. The the amount of money in the Premier League now, the bottom level is just always re- just getting higher and higher. It's, and, you know, a well-put-out team like like Brighton just make us look so awful. And a striker like Danny Welbeck, who we got oh, rid Christ. of years and years ago, comes back every time to haunt us. And, mm. uh, you know, yet again, he's there running in behind, making the pass. You know, it's just, yeah, very difficult to see that kind of so, thing. So, like, even... So it, I think one of the real frustrating things for me, though, is if you go back and not that anybody should ever do this for your mental health, but if you actually watch a lot of the clips of yesterday, like there are so many times I I, I hate doing it, but it, it just he was happened to McTominay was playing further forward. There were so many times he'd get the ball in a position and he has three or four options in front of him. Right. Rashford, Sancho, Bruno, whoever. And he just runs into a defender and it's like it's like i don't know i think it might have been neville or keen after the match where they were just saying like it's it, it's simple enough to just give the ball to your talented attacking players sometimes like it doesn't need to be this yeah. complex thing and I, I just i'm so frustrated watching like watching him be in this team as long as he has is probably the most direct indictment of like the gradual decline of the club uh because he's just yeah terrible i'm sorry like there's nothing he does that's acceptable other than i don't know he gives a good interview every now and then like who cares you know he's not good Uh, he does he does give a good interview you know he is great (laughs) interview i said this before if we could just roll him out for the interview you know yeah look i mean the funny thing is with McTominay, and I have long supported McTominay, generally speaking, I just think he's been exposed to far more football than is even good for him, you know, and far more responsibility than is even good for him. And it just shows you how bad our team is. I'm still of the opinion that McTominay can be a useful squad player. And when I say useful, I mean 20 appearances per year. And that is useful. You know, a player that just is happy to play a bit part role, pick up when other players are injured, to sit beside someone who's actually good and get you through difficult times and for certain games in certain ways and he's versatile you can pop him center back you can do whatever he does have good games but recently and i mean the last year they are just so few and far between and as you say the technical level is just horrific when there was that but just before his should have been red card there he was breaking through (laughs) and there's just that photo of him with like no one anywhere near him and you know he's got players around him that he can pass to your feet in he could probably have a shot from 25 yards you know, he can really do something. And when you watch it, he like stumbles <laughs> over the ball for seven touches, gives it away, then tries to tackle the person he gave it away to and should have got sent off. And it's just like, look at where you were and how that ended up. And anyone can make themselves look silly and make a mistake on the football pitch, of course. But that just happens so frequently. And like, I was watching the City game after, and obviously it's totally apples and oranges. I mean, City are playing a different sport than us, to be quite honest. But 
they just they have no issue just keeping the ball and their players just know just do the easy thing and do the easy thing and do the, and don't force it force it force it our our squad i don't know where it's lack of coaching mentality issue the players aren't good enough they've been through such an awful time united for the last five years whatever is generally as a group and that that's just you know ingrained whatever but it's like we do the right thing for like two minutes and then we just seem to get totally fed up or totally lose belief or someone just tries to force it or someone does something silly and it's the same on the other side of the ball we we press for a little bit but then someone gives away a stupid foul when they we have them penned in or someone doesn't follow a man and it's just that's the other thing with McTominay and Fred is if they were giving you this insane defensive structure and output, you know, if McTominay was, you know, had five lungs and was getting about everyone like a cante or whatever and was kind of poor on the oh, ball, you'd be like, well, look, that's okay. There's other people to do that. But they don't. There's no defensive security whatsoever. In fact, there's huge defensive frailties well, basically from the lack of midfielders. Well, it's like Fred is good defensively in a way that isn't defensive midfielder right he's not gonna sit he's good, he, and protect he's good defensively up the pitch right pressing yeah. up the pitch exactly yeah. if he's if he's in their half he's good defensively but as soon as you ask him to be in our half i mean you saw it even for the i think the second goal was it where he didn't track the man to the back post he just didn't have a clue what was going on he didn't have a clue what was around him and then he laid down and held his hands after your man sneaks in and he literally had to run past pascal gross to like he runs past him to get into position and then gets sucked towards the ball looks round but doesn't see him and then Pascal goes runs off and the ball gets palmed out and he's there and Fred isn't. You know, it's just and that happens so frequently. I mean you could say it about Luke Shaw, you could say it about Delo, you could say it about Fred, you could say it about McTominay. Maguire was pretty awful yesterday even though I thought he was gonna have a good year this year, but it's not gonna happen. It's gonna be a train wreck. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yep. Oh, oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all on the same kind of page, unfortunately. As I said, like, you know, anyone who listened to the last podcast would have heard me being uncharacteristically downbeat about the start of the season. Uh, I do think that Ten Hag deserves some kind of flack, but the main story is that he's been let down massively. This squad is not good enough as it is to be going for top four. Uh, I mean, look, if we look at some of the statistics, like we've already talked a lot about McTominay, but... 66% passing accuracy, and he's only hit touched the ball 38 times, which is lower than anybody bar Mike Marcus Rashford. Uh, so yeah, look, yeah. I mean, it's I mean just, that should yeah, be like awful. when when the when the when the stat guys and when our analysts and statisticians and coaches pick that up midweek, how can you pick that guy next week at, at Manchester United Football Club? Like that is just. And he's always been a hider, you know, when we have the, when our centre-back oh, have the ball. Yeah. And I have a lot of sympathy for our back four generally. And I said this yesterday in that I find it very difficult to blame the back four because ahead of them is 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 really nothing helping them. You know, 
there was the instance of Fred coming in deep and then just played the ball straight to a Brighton player right in the first half, if you remember. There's so much of that, so much poor central midfield play. But how can you pick that guy next week? And I appreciate there aren't a whole pile of other options, but I honestly think at this point, Jimmy Garner is, is just a better choice. And at least that choice has the possibility to grow into something useful for us. Whereas McTominay now will not grow. You know, he might have purple patches. He might he might be found to have a functional role within a team, but he's not going to suddenly at his age and at his experience level turn into a different kind of player and gain these skills. He doesn't have them. Do you, so why not just, like if it's, if it's going to be bad, why not just let it be bad with youth? Do, do, you, know I mean? do you think that, I, like I can't imagine that McTominay is outperforming Garner in training. I honestly can't imagine it. I think it was mostly just down to continuity yeah, of preseason and the players who happened to be yeah. available and they played and they kind of got the most coaching time. Uh, you know, Garner unfortunately was injured, yeah. so didn't play much. He's got a few minutes at the end and maybe if he'd been around, he might have had a more chance to break into that. Uh, I mean, look, I have defended Fred and McTominay a lot over the past couple of years. I think Fred showed, especially towards the end of last season under Ranić, that there is a decent player in there whether what exactly his best position is uh, you know is up for good but McTominay has really been struggling for quite a while now and as I say when you're putting in those kind of numbers 66% and hardly even touching the ball then yeah there's no kind of justification I mean I was pretty surprised to see Fred go off rather than McTominay at half time I was saying to everyone around me look Ronaldo's going to have to come in we obviously have to sacrifice uh, Fred or McTominay, and for me, it would have been McTominay, especially, I think he was already on a yellow card yeah, at that he point was. as well. He was. Yeah, that... uh, so I was slightly surprised by that decision, but yeah, that's what uh, Ten Hag went yeah, with. Yeah, I think Fred, like he, to me, he has a better case of he's actually a squad player. Like, he would be so much more useful if we had two better central midfielders than him that could just start, but we don't. So we end up having to play him and McTominay. And I just, I fundamentally don't think McTominay offers much of anything. Like, if he just wanted to hang out and get, you know, like Com said, 20 minute, 20, 20, 20 appearances in a season, fine. But, um, you know, it's just, it's obvious that those two together, it's, it's not going to work. It, it, it will not work. Um, and asking them, asking that of them is just a failure that goes beyond them as players, right? Because at some point, how much evidence do you need that they are not good enough in the roles that you're asking them to play? Well, I mean, look, it's 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 absolutely crazy time because we've literally lost two midfielders <laughs> and bought none. I appreciate we bought Ericsson. We didn't buy Ericsson. We've we've you know won Ericsson essentially. Um, us and Brentford. So we battled it out with Brentford for Ericsson and we came up traps, which is great. But he's he's you know he's a he's a unique kind of midfielder as well because he's not really an out and out midfielder. I don't know that he'll start week in week out for us. Well, you need to protect him. You have to I mean, you, playing a midfield. You have to protect exactly. Him, yeah. If you if you're playing a midfield three and you have a destroyer with him or something else, you know that's great. But with Bruno as a ten, who's already on the liability side of things in terms of <laughs> defensive work and playing higher up the pitch, not in a bad way, although he was pretty bad. Um, but just in general, they're very similar in terms of that luxury spot you can afford within an eleven. And that's not to say we shouldn't have signed Ericsson. I'm delighted we did. I think he'll give us great depth. I think he was very good in the second half yesterday. I'd start him next week in that position. It's. I'm just saying we haven't really signed a midfield solution. Shock, shock. And, you know, it's now looking hugely likely that that won't be Frankie de Jong. I don't necessarily think he was ever the solution anyway. I think he would have. He's obviously a great player, but I think it would have come with as many issues as it came 
with solutions. I think we still would have needed to buy a second player alongside him, which we would never have done. Um, but to lose Pogba, to lose Maric, and to say, as a club that is seeking top four ambitions and is called Manchester United, that we're happy with McTominay, Fred, Christian Eriksen, and James Garner as our actual centre midfielders, one of which is a youth product that is totally untested, one of which is at the ex- total end of his career, which for which most of he played number 10, and the other two are two players who have just been essentially failing for the last three years with bits of good play and purple patches and some utility in Fred, I think. But to, to, to say that that's in any way acceptable and then now we're like, we might get Rabio because we've just decided today <laughs> that the young's not happening or whatever. Like, it is just the most Manchester United thing ever and yet so shockingly, frustratingly, disembowelingly disappointed. Disappointing, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. And, you know, we sacked a load of guys in scouting. We got rid of Ed and it just doesn't matter. We got all this puff piece about how it was a new leaf, how Murtaugh's this and how Richard Arnold's that and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, we have the Glazers who take two days to sanction any transfer move because they live in America. Ashwin, how difficult is it to keep up with Manchester United news in America? Because the reason we're giving being given today is time zones are the reason why we're slow to react in the market or slow to progress deals. It's just farcical. It's, and it's very difficult it's also, and very hard not to arrive at the conclusion uh, that it will be this way for time memorial as we are owned by the Glazers. And the, the thing that is... I will never understand about them is they're not fundamentally bad at owning a sports team. Like they're good with the Buccaneers, right? They've won the Super Bowl. They yeah. have Tom Brady. They are doing wonderfully. But with United, and the thing that's crazy with the midfielders is like, look at what we're talking about, right? We're not talking about, oh, we have to, we have to improve from having Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick. We're talking about we have Fred and we have McTominay. We just need to get players that are better than them. And or or, or players that sue them. It's this like it is not it 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 really is not as impossible as the club has made a team. I have a follow-up question though. Could Sir Alex Ferguson win the league with this midfield group? No way. No way. Not, I'm not even sure. I've recently come around to the opinion that Sir Alex might have had it quite easy because the Premier League has never seen this level of quality and competition. I mean, he, I don't think he ever had to face a team like City or even really a team like Liverpool in their current guise, to be quite honest. And maybe I'm overrating them slightly because of how far we are away from that currently. And I'm underrating our old teams, possibly, I think particularly of the 06 team. No, I don't. I honestly don't. No, not a million years. Could he have? I mean, could he have got top four? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Would he have got hey, top four? Hey, let let me just remind you of something. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came second with McFred as his midfield. Yeah, that was a down year though, wasn't it? Like, and we have the Mourinho year as so well. Which again, year, that quote just gets better and better. That it's his. <laughs> that it's his. Um, you know, crowning achievement in Mourinho's you know trophy cabinet is the second place trophy for Man United because those players are fucking awful. Is basically what he said, and it's so true. But I mean, the, I mean, f- first thing about the Glazers, I wonder, do they just, they know American football, assumedly, because they're American and that's obviously the primary sport there, 100%. Do they have that same knowledge, passion, care, and structure around well, football? They, so the, I'm not so the sure. The thing is, the Bucks, the Buccaneers were really bad for a while. From like, they won a Super Bowl in 2002, yeah. and then they were basically terrible for most of the 2010s. 
Um, and then they finally woke up one day and were like, okay, let's let's be a serious team now. It also helps when Tom Brady decides, I will come and play for you. <laughs> the, yeah, big time. The, the worst thing about the Glazers, I think, is they just don't care beyond the revenue stream, if you know what I mean. They don't care enough. I know they've really given us, like, you can't say we haven't spent and all that kind of stuff, but it's just like they've allowed certain people to be within the club that are geared towards certain aims. And, and it just felt like that, that, that was maybe changing this year. And the early evidence it's, on this first disastrous window is that it hasn't changed at all. If anything, well, they've set new it's, heights. It's in the bare. It's the I mean, bare. That's actually what I was going to say. I was what I was going to say. Rather than not changed, it's actually worse. I mean, yeah, it's, one it's, thing you can say is we might moan about the players that have come in, but they've spent shitloads of money in the last few years. Yeah, every summer we've spent a decent amount, yeah, apart from the odd one. Big fees. Yeah. But this summer, like, you know, our net spend is relatively low and the players we're getting talked about now are now to the so, 10 million, Rabio, 15, 20 million. They're not like, you know, all right, De Jong would be a different level and it looks like they were willing to shell out a decent amount for him. But um, at the moment, our, this is the least we've spent for a long, long time. And they've cleared massive amounts off the wage bill. So, yeah, I don't know whether they're now taking a different view. I mean, all right, there's still a few weeks of the transfer window left. And traditionally, we've seen them just go out panic buying and buying random players towards the end of the window. And we hoped we were going to move away from that. We hoped it was a new setup. Wood was not there, but it looks like the same all. And maybe, like, you know, maybe Woodward has been hamstrung by the Glazers all this time. Uh, Pre-match, there was a pretty sizable protest organised by this 1958 group. There was a march, a lot of people involved over there. So, you know, it's not news to them that the fans are not happy. So, yeah, this was going on pre-match as well. I don't know if you saw Gary Neville. He was calling as well post-match. We're saying, look, the Glazers need to sell up and he's been coming out a lot harder for it now. One of them was in the stands. That uh, I, I only found that out like about an hour. I didn't know. I didn't know on the day. I was surprised to see that Avram Grant uh, Glazer was in the stands for the match over there. And well, it's it's good that they're all they're all in the same time zone now. So transfers should be easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I, apparently there was crisis talks, and 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 the the outcome of those crisis talks Rabia. is: Do you want Arnautovic and uh, Rabi? And it's just that's boggles belief. And you know, I mean, Arnautovic. They, they, we talk about you know, oh well, the, we don't want to, you know, we don't see a striker on the market that we sp- want to spend big on. It's like that's fine, but the last four strikers, five strikers you've signed have all been over thirty, you know, by a distance, and have all failed, and have all a lot of them taken up money and stuff like that. It's just absolutely shocking. I mean, I don't necessarily think. I don't think they have a different strategy, Nick, to come to your point there in terms of, oh, we're, we're not going to, we're going to keep our net spend lower and anything like that. I think they would have been happy to spend money this year. I just think they've managed the window spectacularly poorly. So they did the early business, well, I say early, early-ish business. You know, Martinez, fair enough. Would we have rather Partoes or, or a more known player, possibly? But, you know, Ten Hag's man, Ten Hag's rec- recommendation, and certainly you know, good stuff. Well, look, we haven't, let's talk actually about Lissandro Martinez yeah. making his debut. Uh, I actually didn't expect him to start just because he Nor came in pretty late into preseason. Yeah. I personally would have gone with Varane, um, who was on the bench there, but he went with Martinez. I mean, how, how did you feel his debut went over there? Uh, I, I thought he looked, I, I, I know that, so he, he should have given, he, if, if he had given away a penalty, I don't think that would have been harsh. I think that would have been an okay decision. Um, but in terms of like what he brings on the ball, I think there were some really positive signs. I like that he wants the ball, that he's not uncomfortable taking it under pressure. 
Um, I think that is a major thing that has held us back. Because even, you know, Lindelof, he he's considered like a good ball playing center back, but I don't I never feel comfortable with him when he's under any modicum of pressure. And Varon under pressure is just not very solid with the ball. So I think that he does add something there. Um I thought he showed he still needs to come to grips with the speed and the pace and the power of the league for sure. But I don't think he's lacking for the desire to to get into the fight. He he will mix it up. I think that is a good thing. Um and, and like look, I, I don't there's you can't watch that one match and think he's gonna be a failure or think he's gonna be a great success. But there were definitely signs from it that I was like, okay, I can see I can see what the appeal is of getting him in. Um and I I understand it, but again, like if the window ended today, I don't think any of us were saying at the start of the window, if you had to rank what positions do you need the most, even though we would all be like, yeah, center half would be great. I don't think that would have ranked in the top three or four needs in the squad. And so it's crazy to me. It it 100% would not have ranked in the top three, Ashton. You're absolutely right. Nor would a 10 come eight. Right. You know, right. And nor would a left back. So we didn't, left back, you know, we didn't, you would have wanted one. We wouldn't have needed one. Dallow can cover left back. Shaw's there. And you didn't have to sell Tellers, I guess, or well, more use. I guess at least, really at least in that, loads of things. But at least in that situation, they actually handled the like they they put Tellers out on loan, yeah. and they replaced him. So that's actually like we are taking, 100%. yeah, we're we're actually ass- uh, addressing the position. And it was like a for- and it was a forward planning signing. You yep. know, it's someone yep. who you still have Shaw, who you expect to get you know eighty percent of your minutes. But this guy could be great in a few years. So again, fine. It's just that, oh, and that you said about all the signings. You know, Ericsson's on mm-hmm. a free. You haven't spent money on him. You cleared the wage bill. And he's just got that class and that quality. He's going to do set pieces. Like all those signings have logic. They're all good signings that just none of them were a priority. And that's that's so. If you sign your other, if you sign a DM and a striker, those signings look even better because you've made five signings and you've addressed your urgent needs and you've looked to the future and made some long term signings. Happy days. That's what Spurs have just done. You know, they're going to sign like their sixth player and they're all sensible signings. And some of them are cheap. Some of them are expensive. Some of them are English talent, not English talent, but Premier League proven. And some of them are, you know, the like your Paris is elder statement, just good business. And what we've done is we've done a bit of that early good business. And Nick, I thought Martinez, I completely agree with Ashwin. I thought he was okay. There was good bits and bad bits. He should have given away a penalty. He got a bit bullied by Danny Welbeck. There was a few times where he got sort of caught out with our high line, I thought. Um, but on the other flip side, there was a few times where he was really proactive in terms of getting out and smashing someone. A few really nice touches. And you can see on the ball, he's got it. And I, I quite like his mentality. So. You know, Jerry's out, but I, I wouldn't read too much into that game. I was happy enough. But outside of those three signings, what they've done is play this silly game with Barcelona for a player that, you know, I guess Ten Hag thinks can just individually transform. But that means, to me, what that says is we care more about this season than the next three years. We want to win now. We, we're going to grab an out of it. doesn't matter. We're going to pay 20 million for Rabio, even though Juve would have given him away. We're going to wait all year to try and get Frankie de Jong because we think because we've lost Pogba, who is our one player that's meant to fix everything for us, we need another player who can fix everything for us. We're not going to buy a DM. We're not going to buy another centre midfielder because we actually need two, not just one. And we're not going to buy a striker or a winger. We're just going to hope for the best with this guy who's really good. And we're going to put all of our energy into that at the complete disregard for the rest of the window or our preseason or Ten Hag's first three games. Doesn't matter. 
and it's just blown up in their face. They're not going to get Frankie de Jong, and now you're not even confident that they're going to get good replacements and good alternatives, which could have all been worked out. And the, the thing with the with de Jong, like, I, I would have, obviously, if they get him or if they, whatever, it would be fantastic. He's a really amazing talent. But, like, to your point, if you get Frankie de Jong, you still desperately need a defensive midfielder. Like, desperately need one. Though. 100%. 100%. And, 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 and he is not that guy. Yeah, and, he, and so, like, what is really frustrating to me is, okay, fine, your manager, he, he loves Frankie de Jong. Okay, he tells you, I, this profile of player, I need it to, to make my vision happen. Okay, that's fine. The entire point of having God knows how many scouts and all this recruitment staff and all this stuff is so that when Ten Hag tells you the profile of player he wants, right, and he tells you Frankie de Jong, is, he fits the profile. So, okay, so now what is Frankie de Jong good at? Now go find five, six other options around Europe that fit the bill and then bring them to him and be like, look, we are having a very tough time dealing with Barcelona because they are in the middle of committing endless amounts of financial fraud to make their numbers work. Uh, here is a list of players that we think we strongly recommend would fit the bill and, and provide a similar boost to the squad that Frankie de Jong would. If you can't have that conversation, then you are failing at your job. And they are failing at their job if their entire plan is just, well, we will do whatever the manager wants. Because what, like the major issue since Ferguson has been, it's not just been poor recruitment, right? It's like we veer between, okay, we're going to get the manager everything he wants, regardless of how it fits with our squad and vision and everything or then they veer away from that once they give up on the manager then it's okay we're not going to give him anything and actually we're going to sign players to force upon him right and so like what i don't understand is it is fine i have no issue with ten hog having a say in transfers he should have a say of course like he is implementing a specific vision you need his input but there has to be a limitation to it and there it needs to be a partnership it cannot be something like do you like i'm sure that there are signings that pep pushes for city right but i'm also sure that players like who's that striker they signed from south america julian alvarez do you think pep was sitting there yeah. watching film of him in uruguay no absolutely not that's obviously something that's been you know earmarked by their recruitment staff brought to his attention and they probably tell him this is why this player is good and he looks at a few clips and is like okay cool great sounds sounds Fantastic. Like, wh- where is that process yeah. for us? It's just like, that doesn't exist? There, is there nobody at the club that's like, yeah, so, you know, what about... Well, look, they did. They have sacked, like, several of the scouts. They've been got rid of completely. It's pretty clear that Eric Ten Hag demanded full control over transfers, whereas before it was not like that. So it's pretty clear that it's on his say-so that he said, listen, I'm not interested in what your scouting department has come up with. Because there's stories out there that are quite clear that if we're going with our scouts, the number one centre-back option was Pau Torres. He said, I'm not interested in your list. This is the man I want. So he's brought in Lissandra Martinez. He's also, like you said, totally identified De Jong as being number one. I'm guessing at this point now, with a few weeks of the season uh, transfer window left, they are now going, well, listen, we're going to have to look at plan B, C, whatever, because how long can we wait for De Jong? And, you know, Tom, I think, what, a month ago we did this and we were all pretty confident that De Jong was going to come, right? We thought this is going to get sorted out sooner or later, but 
as the weeks tick by, it's obviously now looking less and less did, likely. I mean, mm. how on earth Barcelona are managing to work this all out? I don't know. Did, did Every Com week, guarantee it? Like the numbers. Did Com guarantee that? Uh, yeah. was no, oh, okay. I, I think he said nine. I think he said ninety ninety percent ninety percent certain De Jong was going to be arriving at some point. But yeah, look, I with a ten percent differential looks... from Manchester United being uh, clones. So you know, <laughs> no, but I don't. I'm not sure that's even down to. Oz being a mess. This is more down. I don't know. Uh, we still yeah. don't know. Well, well, we don't know, you know whether it's down to yeah. that he's not sure about coming. Is it down to that he's not sorting out finances at Barca? We don't know the full story. There's so no. many different like reads out there. You don't really know where we're at with it. I mean, it seems uh, like it seems like no matter who would buy him, that he's not going to leave until he gets his wage wages sorted out there. Um, and that's like so. But again, like as a club. If, okay, they agreed a fee, I think, on July 14th. It is reported that we agreed a fee with Barcelona. That is open. That's out there. I think it's like 75 million euro and 10 million in add-ons. The next day is when they did this thing where they told him his contract was illegal and they were going to, you know, uh, go to court over whatever it is. But my point is, like, this has been going on now for at least three and a half weeks, right? At some point, yeah. aren't you as... Aren't, even if you are convinced that you're going to get Frankie de Young. Shouldn't you still, as a club, be like, okay, this is still the plan A, but let's start working on some contingencies. And if maybe they did, but if, you're, if the first thing we hear about is, oh, yeah, we, we put a bid in for Adrian Rabio, like, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, I think a couple of years ago, we got linked to him, and then there was a story about how, like, actually we didn't want him or something. But now, like, we do, I don't know. I just think it's so haphazard. Um, and you know, like, there's just players... You, you don't need to be creative to get the type of players we need. Like, there are players in the fucking league that, that we watch every single week that could come in and, and do and give us a boost in midfield. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, Ed, I mean actually, I could, Ed has I could talked about Ruben Neves for, like, six months. If you give me, months. like, half an hour... <laughs> yeah. If you give me half an hour, I could write a list of, I think, about 30 midfielders that would instantly improve us. <laughs> and also, another fun exercise you can do is go into each of Europe's top five leagues, six leagues, and start from, say, the fourth position team and just go and look at their centre mids and think of how many of them are better than what we have and then wonder to yourself, could we buy that player? I mean, it, the league is just awash with examples, like awash with examples of players that would immediately slot into our team. And then you can go to Europe and find even more. Like, it is not a difficult exercise. They don't even need to be stellar. You know, we don't need it. Like, Yes, if we could get him a Declan Rice is great, but I just think our sense of reality at that club is absolutely gonzo. I mean, it is just crazy. And I get there must have been encouragement from Frankie de Jong and that he is in such an odd, peculiar situation where it seemed like he had to go, but he didn't want to go. But no other club really seemed to want him. And I've just felt for the longest time he was just either waiting to just force his hand and stay at Barca or waiting for a club he actually wanted to go to to come in. And by the by, he does not want to go to Manchester United if he can go to any other club in a top league with a position in the Champions League and a better shot at actually getting there next year slash challenging for the title. He just, I, he just, and he, and he'd be mad. He'd be mad to want to. And people say, oh, but you know, Ten Hag managed him before. Whatever, he managed him for like a year. Who cares? If Ten Hag was a bright, he wouldn't want to go there either. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's, ridiculous. And no, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like, I, I think. One thing I will say about the entire thing with him is, I do all this Chelsea stuff. I still don't buy it. I think it's like because there was a report today that Chelsea is willing to pay the fee 
and they're willing to pay him all the wages that Barcelona are owed him. And I just find that completely... I'm sure that... I feel like there's some weird agreement with Chelsea and Barcelona where they're, you know being used to get us to try and do this. But it, no, the I point think, is, like, I think, just I get think Chelsea are just panicking. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it could exactly. Be. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that was the case three or four weeks ago. I mean, you know, I mean, there's so much that we don't know what goes on, what's really been said, what encouragement is there for us to be hanging in like this? It's, it's so desperate. Yeah, look, that is the whole thing. I find it very difficult to believe that we haven't had some kind of encouragement from De Jong that he's interested in move to us. After all this time, after Arnold has flown himself to Barcelona, has been out there, he said before other of our guys are up there, obviously there's a Dutch connection. They must have some kind of intermediaries in common. I think think 99% of our encouragement has come from Barcelona, not De Jong. I think Barcelona have said to us, no, look, 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 hang around. We really are going to get rid of him. We are not keeping him for this next year. He is going to be available and he has no other offers. And we've just thought, I think as a club, we've just thought, this is our bloody golden ticket. You know, we thought we were going to have a crap year and we were going to have to do this real slow rebuild. But hey, this guy's available and he's really good at football and he's just sort out our big problems. And we've just thought, oh. Listen, players even message each other. You know, I'm, sh- I'm Ten Hag, Donny van der Beek must have. Frankie de Jong's number, right? Are you not telling yeah. me at some point he's not said to him, listen, do you have any interest why, in moving to Manchester United? He hasn't signed a pre-contract. If he says, but, uh, maybe, then, you know, we hang around all year. You anyway, know, listen, like, listen, I, I, I don't actually, want to spend the, the, the an hour the, the, talking the, about the de Jong thing. Listen, stop, right? I'm not spending any more time talking about the de Jong thing none of us know what the hell is going on there we we're could spend hours we're not there's like all sorts of messages out there but as i said i find it pretty difficult to believe that our club does not have some idea that the geezer wants to come here and for me there's obviously a mess between barcelona wages whatever let's see let's see there's still a few weeks left uh, he has come back into the barcelona team i saw he played yesterday but only came on as a sub so he's kind Scored. of semi-involved in pre-season he's He's getting a game here and there. I look and at some point anyway. You have to say we just cut it. We have to look at some other option. And today, obviously, Rabio is on the list. Arnautovic is on the list. I still, as well, don't want to. Hoping some of this is paper talk, but it's looking like it is real stuff. But you know me. Unless it's on BBC, and neither of those two are, I'm not believing too much about it at the moment. Although you know, I will say that uh, Rabio is not an awful player. He was actually a damn good player, but he's a bizarre character, and I don't know if that is the kind of character we need in our club. It's in fact the total wrong kind of characters we've had too many exactly. times in recent times. But yeah, there is actually a decent player in there. Arnautovic, I don't even think there's a decent player in there. Plus, he's the wrong kind of character. So yeah, I hope that is just like paper talk. Um, but yeah, I Honestly, don't know. There was another name. Links. See those two links? They upset me more than the game against Brighton today. But yeah, look, they could just no, be paper. Like, like a I say, compound interest kind of thing. But that was I don't really, want to get really too upset. Tech, I don't want to get too upset about what is just transfer rumour at the moment. If we buy those players, then let's get upset, yeah. Um, there was somebody else, Oshwin. Who did you mention? Some Argentinian defensive oh, midfielder yeah. as well who's been linked. Something Guido Martinez or something like that? Uh, yeah, again, somebody from Real Betis. So just, yeah, but any I, other I name is like more interesting to so, me. But uh, one, one of the... Uh, I saw a thread from a Real Betis supporter and he said that he was... I mean, again, take it for what it's worth. He's, he said that he was their best player. He thought he was much better than William Carvalho, who has been linked with the move away from there. And also, uh, apparently, because La Liga has that uh, that wage thing, right, where they have to, each club has a certain amount of wages they can mm-hmm. get to. I guess Betis is very, very near the cap. So selling him would make sense for them. 
He's also 28, so it's probably the best time. It might be like their best opportunity to cash in uh, for a player like that. Uh, but look, I mean, if he's apparently a solid defensive midfielder, and at this point, that is good enough for me. I will take a solid defensive midfielder if that's what he is. Yeah, what was that? What was that quote called? Was something like, even if some, even if there's a player who can spell uh, CDM, we need to go and buy him, right? Uh, it just, it just honestly boggles my mind that we're not. And you just watch the game yesterday. You're like, what does this team need? I mean, first and foremost, it's a center, it's a central defensive midfielder. Like, and Frankie Young wasn't it to begin with. This idea, I think, that we can play like De Jong and Eriksson and just outplay everyone with football is. I mean, have you ever watched us play? Do you know the other nine names on the sheet? Like, it's not going to happen. It's an absolute force. Um, so no, that's just crazy. And it's too late now. You know, frankly, it's too late. I'm very interested to see what business we call together, but all the indications are it's going to be absolute panic-ridden nonsense, uh, exactly in the type that we've, you know, been used to over the last five yeah, years. Yeah, that, is, so that is my, so, that is my biggest just, it's disappointment. Like why, it's like, why, Kurt, why even care? You know, I would just show up on Saturday and watch the match and hope for the best and don't get involved with anything else because it is just so, it doesn't actually warrant your time when it's this cyclical in terms of the same behaviors the same thoughts the same strategies that are so broken and that we revert to so like if i was in that team in that recruitment team at united i would be so embarrassed that this is the position we're in again and i wonder do they have any concept of how much of an absolute joke everyone sees them to be and how they've allowed themselves to once again they had a, a new remit they had fan buy-in at the start of this year they had a new leaf with ten Hag. And they had the ability to go and just make, like I said, months ago, five smart signings. Just get as many players out as you can, which we've done okay at, and get in 30 to 40 million pound players that are up and coming, that are in the 20 to 26 bracket, that have done well at smaller teams, and they're ready for the next step. And take a bit of gamble on all of them. But, you know, we need a, a lot of quality in lots of positions. We don't just need one star man. That's what I said on that last pod, Nick, that we were on. And we've done the complete opposite. We've chased the star man and we've made odd signings other than that in non-priority positions. And we've put ourselves in this position where we have three galling. We haven't even been linked with a right back. We're just not interested in that. Dallow's going to play every single minute, um, which is, you know, make or break for him. But it's not a good position to be in because the jury is way, way, way out. We don't have, you know, a settled striker. Rashad wants out and Martial won't do the business. We are light on the wings with both Sancho and Rashford looking absolutely awful yesterday. Rashford couldn't finish his dinner. Sancho may as well not turned up. And we need at least two sentiment fielders. Like, what a position to be in at this stage. It's... With Spurs having done great business, Arsenal having done great business, and Chelsea probably also going to panic themselves into some good business, but had a much better starting position anyway. Not even to mention Liverpool and Man City, who are so far away from us at this current point that you can barely even see them. If you just added two central midfielders, and some type of attacking player to their incoming this summer, then it's like, even if it's obviously not going to fill in everything that we need, but you could at least look at that and be like, okay, they, they did good work. There's still work to be done, but they are on a path. And right you know, now you're tough, just like... Tough year, no scouting system, 10 high, yeah. brand new. They just got in the, the kind of bodies that they needed in a certain profile with a certain trajectory. And they just haven't even managed that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Yeah, look, there's still a few weeks left. As I said, I, I said this squad will not make top four and was not hugely surprised by the way the match went the other day. If we can still get a decent central midfielder, if we can still get a forward option, I think we can then at least have a go at top four. We still do need a right back. We still do need probably another central midfield on top of that. But for me, yeah, the big priority is centre midfield and forward. So at least maybe by seeing these names, Rabio and Arnautovic linked, we know that maybe we're looking in the right areas. But if they can just shift to some other players that we'll be more interested in seeing in. Look, let's see. As I say, there's still a few weeks left. All is not lost. But look, we are looking at our next game is on the weekend. Uh, at Brentford. I will be going to this game. It's the first time in a long time I'm going to the first two matches of a season after I got lucky in the ballot. And uh, I was actually quite excited to go to a new stadium, never been out to Brentford. Uh, yeah, not as excited now after seeing how we performed there. But look, look, with another week in there, we can see what happens. And in fact, there has been some kind of behind closed doors match going on today against Halifax Town. A lot of the players who didn't play on the weekend have had minutes today in kind of training. So I guess, yeah, Ten Hag is still trying to get them up on the kind of uh, physicality side, get everybody match fit. Ronaldo played in this match today, and I'm absolutely certain he will start the weekend's match, assuming that uh, Martial is not in there. I mean, I can hear, Colm, in your voice that you've kind of given up already. You know, you don't, not even interested in who's playing, what's going, you think, what, the season's already a write-off? Uh, no, I'm, do you know, the the one thing I'm interested in is just how we play within the 90 minutes. I'm interested to see what kind of coaching he can actually implement in these players. I'm interested to see if Rashford can, you know, it's make or break year for him, I think. Um, I'm interested to see if Martial can do anything. I want to see Sancho develop. There's players in that team that I'm still interested in. I'd be keen to see Malassia next week. I'm keen to see how Martinez goes, who actually picks. I do hope Maguire has a good year. By the way, De Gea was pretty awful the other day as well. The sooner we get the deeper, the better. Um, I'm interested to see how Dallow does. You know, there's players there that I'm keen to see how they develop under Ten Hag and how Ten Hag can actually uh, move us on. I agree with you. It won't be enough for fourth. It's the, the competition is simply too strong unless, you know, I think Arsenal have an explosion in them, no problem. I think Spurs with Conte, it'll be tough. Um, so I've kind of written that off and I'm looking forward to the Europa League. That's kind of fine. I don't really care. You know, I just want... I just want the transfer window to be over with, Nick, so I can stop getting upset about it, basically, and then we'll know what we have, and you'll just be able to go in every week with a reasonable expectation. I, you, you will probably be crap. <laughs> and just enjoy it. <laughs> just, just, that sounds bad, but just enjoy it for what it is. If you only expect us to be really patchy and, and to finish, you know, fifth or sixth at best, 
then, you know, it is what it is. At the end of the day, I just wish we hadn't set ourselves so behind this year because it should be Ten Hag's first year to build something. And what it might actually be is just another year of finding out how many more players he needs to get rid of. You know, making the job only bigger next year because we can't sign. We needed to sign five players this summer and we can't sign 10 next summer because a few players might have proven themselves even more. You know, there could be a new players out the door. You know, Ronaldo will definitely be gone. Martial might have proven himself useless. Rashford might have ran out of his last chance, even though he has nine lives. You know, Sancho might be a concern. Dallo might have proved himself to be not our starting right back. There's going to be more holes next year. And if we haven't filled the holes we currently have this year, it just makes the task bigger next year. So, now nah, I'll enjoy the games, like, but it's hard. It's a tough spot at the moment, Nick, in terms of uh, Manchester United following. No, and as you say, look, normally I'm always the one who's finding some kind of way to be positive about where we're going. But yeah, with this current squad... Look, it's undoubted. I had this discussion with somebody on Red Cafe just the other day, and I said, "Look, it's undoubted that our squad is weaker now than we finished last season with." Even though I was happy to see the back of Pogba, to see the back of Lingard, you know, I didn't have an issue with aging players like Matic, Mata leaving, but they've all left, and we've not really replaced them. Uh, you can't lose like seven, even eight players if we start including the likes of Greenwood. Uh, you know, it's about eight players have gone. We've replaced them with three. And only two of those are kind of pushing towards starting. You know, Malassia for me is still kind of young and learning. Uh, he's kind of one for the future. You know, he's a cheap player who's coming over there. Martinez and Eriksen will be pushing to be starting a lot of games. But yeah, even neither of them for me are guaranteed starters either. Whereas, you know, somebody like Frankie de Jong, he is a guaranteed starter. He's like a potential world-class player. That's like the kind of, I expected to be getting in two, maybe even three players of that level in this window to replace the players who've left. Uh, especially since we, like I said, huge space in the wage bill. But yeah, it hasn't happened at all. Um, look, before we round off with a, just a bit of predictions about Brentford and whatever, just a bit of housekeeping, want to give a shout out to our usual sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, they will still keep sponsoring us for the next few months at least. Manscaped actually have a summer sale on at the moment. So head over to manscaped.com. They've got a sale on there and you can still get a discount off their sale prices by using the code UNITEDHOUR20. Uh, you know, the performance package is their big thing over there, but they have loads of other things. Uh, the crop preservers and stuff like that. I can't even what it's called now. The weed weed whacker, uh, boxer shorts, t-shirts, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, head over to manscaped.com and you can get this stuff all over the EU now, USA, Canada, Australia, Singapore, I think uh, South Africa, uh, United Arab Emirates for people out there. So yeah, more and more countries you can be shipped to. And I know we have quite a global listener. So yeah, head over to manscaped.com and the code UNITEDHOUR20. Um, look, let's get some kind of predictions at least for this match over here. Brentford, as I say, I am going there. I'm looking forward to having a away day, even if I'm not sure how that match is going to go. Brentford went 2-2 with Leicester on the weekend. I think there was a couple of late goals in that. Um, I barely even followed that because the game was obviously going on at the same time as our match. But I think it was 2-0 for quite a while and then two late goals ended up 2-2, right? Yeah, a bit of a late comeback for Brentford. Um, didn't see the highlights because uh, after the 90 minutes, I'd had enough of football for a week. Um, but I, I mean, I expect us to win. Uh, Nick, it's Brentford at the end of the day. Um, oh. so you know, it it'll probably be really tough and really bad and really awful, and then we'll go. Oh yeah, that actually makes sense. But I'm not surprised we didn't win. But I always kind of hit the reset button and think, should our eleven beat their eleven? And the answer is always yes. And then it's extra fun when we don't. 
<laughs> All right. Oshwin, what's your prediction for Brentford away? Uh, this is hard. Uh, I'm just going to say they'll win because I, we were talking about this before we came on, but like I think the hardest thing is losing the first match of the season because it just feels like you've waited all this time and then you lose and it's like the worst thing ever. And I'll, look, we've seen us start seasons well and it doesn't end well. Um, so we'll see. I, I think we'll probably be better just because we won't have Christian Eriksen as a false nine. Uh, I expect Ronaldo to start if Martial is not fit. I think we'll just be better off of that alone. And, um, you know, I, I would hope that some of these players are, they, they, they step up. Like, I, I think it's time for players like Rashford and Bruno and especially those two, very specifically those two. Uh, yeah, in that I match mean, against Brighton, you you know, you mentioned that early Bruno miss where he had to hit the target. Rashford yeah. had a couple of chances. I'd say maybe he was unlucky with one, but should have done much better with the other. And, you know, if they can start finding a bit of form, that is obviously going to make a massive difference. Yeah. And and I will say with Rashford, at least if there's one positive I took away from that performance, was that I at least felt like he was getting into positions, whereas last year he was just never anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you have to cash in. So it's, it's, it, you can, I mean, I like, I so want to like, see the player that I remember, you know, cause he's what, he's 24, like 25. He's not old. It's so frustrating because you know that there is a really, really good player in there, but it has been so, I think he hasn't scored in a, in a match he started in like 430 days or something like that, which is crazy. Um, it's just, you, you, I, I, yeah, I but really look, his last season was obviously a write off, less, you know, yep. it was absolute joke, and we can just write that one off completely. There was, like you said, some signs of him coming out of that. He, I mean, he should have put away that one chance for sure, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sure if he would have been offside in the end anyway. But yeah, it didn't get to go there anyway. And then there was another one at the kind of back post where I think he got a lot more flack for yeah. that than he deserved. I think he couldn't have done that much more. That was tough. More. He, was, he was at full extension, I mean, yeah. Exactly. The thing is, you can, you can talk about our recruitment and how bad they are and all, but I have Rashford in my fantasy football team, so who's the real clown, you know? Ah, well, that's interesting. You know, I'll say, you know what? For the first time, I'd say, and I've been playing fantasy football for literally decades. We used to play this at school, handwritten with spreadsheets and stuff like that. This is the first time I did not have any Manchester United players in my starting fantasy lineup for the season. None. I did did actually have Martial in there before he got injured. He then came out. I considered Rashford, but I didn't put him in there. I even thought about Dallo, but I didn't. It's the first time... Literally ever, I have started a fantasy season without a United player in there. And in fact, you have reminded me that I did want to give a shout out for the code for the United Hour FPL League. Uh, If you're in it last season and you've got the same team, you will be in it automatically. But the code to join is 8Q2094. So yeah, 8Q, small, lowercase Q, 2094. And yeah, we're only going to give it out on the show. As I said last week, you have to listen to this show to be in our league. And there will be some kind of prize for the winner at the end over there. So yeah, join in the United Hour League. And uh, I'd say it's not a big challenge to beat us. I think, Colm, you were the top of the podcasters with me behind you last season. Um, Mm. But yeah, let's see where we go this season. But All right, so you had Rashford in your team. Uh, Oshwin, are you in the Fantasy Premier League this year? Uh, I made a team. I'm assuming I should have 
automatically been uh, yeah. Added did in, you but, did you have any I, Man did you have any Manchester United players in your team? Uh, I had two. I had Bruno and I had Sancho. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't. So, yeah. I didn't captain. I didn't captain either one. So uh, I think my captain was Kane, and I think my vice was maybe Diaz. I don't know. Definitely wasn't like a good week United, for you. Yeah. Uh, no, it was not not a good week. Um, but you know, I I had a. It's it's my first week on the job, so we're gonna yeah. learn from yeah. it. And get better. We go again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, as said, and in fact, I, I, although that Brighton defeat felt so bad, I mean, I haven't even mentioned, like, XG, for example, was not too far off. 1.4 on Manchester United, 1.7 on Brighton. But, okay, after 2-0, they shut up shop. They were time-wasting from, like, the first minute of the second half, giving us a lot of play, giving us kind of quite a few half chances that we didn't manage to convert. But, you know, it wasn't quite, like, the awful thing it might seem. It's... Uh, it's not that I don't actually like the the weird thing for me is defensively like I don't really think Brighton created a lot and that's what made it even more frustrating because it was like they broke on us twice they got out of our press and both of those times they it, it was just there was so much space right and I think that's what made it frustrating is like you didn't give up a lot of chances but the chances you gave up were such glaring opportunities um and so yeah, that, that was the, that was the thing that was annoying that it was like a simple tap in for both yeah. of their finishes with hardly i mean all right it was said fred was asleep there that was the most embarrassing thing the two goals they scored were just simple tap-ins uh and you know we did create some half chances here and there and a bit of better finishing could have at least seen a draw but yeah quite do you know, do you know the biggest one of the biggest disappointments nick was really again lack of energy it looked prevalent to me, you know, and Brighton are extremely hardworking, so it's, you know, it's tough. But I, again, would have thought, you know, we saw it in preseason, uh, fairness, Brighton let us have the ball, so it's a different kind of game. You can't just press, but there wasn't really any counter press. There wasn't any big press. It was disjointed. Rashford did a bit of running in the press, but no one else really joined up the dots for him. I think Ericsson will struggle with that, particularly in the first half when he was playing up front, so that was really difficult. And then, like, the backwards running, the tracking back, and the general defensive effort. I mean, both those goals, Watch how many people have a, the ability to really go and get stuck into someone. And a thing we always do is just this kind of run backwards, shepherd them back until you're defending your own six-yard box. Basically, it was when we decide we might want to try and make a block or a tackle or intercept a pass. Like, it's just so uh, reactive and, and so passive. You know, it's just crazy. I mean, like, both those goals, well enough work goals, tidy play, good runs, good passes. But just the ease with which we're run off and, and then the difficulty we have in following those runners and, and once we've been beaten once, getting back and into anything other than just this little protective shape where we basically let them saunter into our box and create a chance. And that has been a problem for years and it just doesn't seem to be able to be arrested. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I think that some of it was... I, they even talked about it. I think uh, Ten Hag talked about this. Even Maguire, I think, actually mentioned this in this postgame, about how it just felt like after they had an, a setback, they reverted to old habits and not what they had kind of set out to do, right? Well, not what the game yeah. plan was. Um, and I just think there's such a fragility in this squad mentally. Um, and I, to be completely fair, I, I can understand that because, you know, like you said, it's been... Last year was probably one of the most miserable sporting experiences of my life. So I can't imagine what it was like 
for them going to work every day. Um, but I do think like they, it, it like when as soon as that goal went in, right, Brighton scored, you could sense like impending doom coming from the crowd. You can mm-hmm. feel you knew, that energy, you knew and I they think would score the second. You yeah, knew they would score the second. Yep. Yeah, and it's, it's happened so many times, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, I just think like that is that is his challenge, right? Is like I, I it is understandable to me for that to be the reaction, but you have to overcome that, and maybe that will take time. But um, that that's the main thing for me because I I did think the start of the match you could see like okay. I understand what he's trying to implement and what we're trying to do, but as soon as there's a setback, right? It's like literally as soon as there's a setback, it all goes. Now we're just playing whatever the hell we're doing. Um, so yeah. we'll see. I, I I hope that he can figure it out. And he obviously look. He Ajax when he got there were not anything special, and they did turn around. So maybe we'll see if he can do the same thing at United. Well, look, I'm just hoping that it's the opposite to last season because the first day of last season, we absolutely hammered Leeds and obviously it was kind of <laughs> downhill quite rapidly. Not straight away. We did have a couple of good results after that as well. But yeah, like, like I said, we started well and it went downhill. So hopefully it's going to go the other way, but we're going to need a bounce back immediately to, like I say, to not get left behind. So yeah, let's hope it comes straight against Brentford. And as you said, Oshwin, I think the big difference of just having Ronaldo or somebody back playing up front, some kind of proper shape will make a huge difference. I think that for me was the biggest problem in this game, starting with that kind of false nine of Ericsson kind of threw the whole first half away. And it was only kind of the second half that we really started getting back into it. Uh, and yeah, look, I hope for a good result. I hope for a win. I will be there, like I said, and we will be back after that Brentford game with a match review. Let's hope it is more positive. Let's hope we've made some other signings. Let's hope they're not Marco Arnautovic. Uh, And yeah, we will see from there. Um, Good night for now and let's see you back next week. Cheerio. Take care. United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network. Edited by Imran Lahair and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.